0: The Supergirl pilot gets time slot suggestions. And we talk Supergirl beyond good and evil. This is Is Supergirl Supergirl Radio. Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino And I'm
1: Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about the trade paperback Supergirl
0: Beyond Good and Evil. But first up, we have... The News. Remember how last week we talked about how there was concern over the Supergirl pilot and whether or not it was going to even be picked up at all well that seems to have gone away uh variety.com recently posted that it thinks supergirl has a quote good chance to go to series uh and according to the hollywood reporter quote cbs entertainment chairman nina Tassler saw the final cut and loved it end quote uh the big question now of course is where does supergirl fit on the schedule Uh, Some of Hollywood reporters' sources suggested that it might be a good fit for summer, like Under the Dome, Extant, and Zoo.
1: But Deadline.com has a different suggestion saying, quote, Supergirl has been getting solid early reviews with some suggesting it for the Sunday 8 p.m. hour, unquote. quote. So I don't know how you feel about this. Would you be OK like if it did
0: go as a summer series? What, what do you think about that? It's so hard to say. I mean, I, I kind of feel like discussions about time slots are so obsolete now just because people tend to watch shows whenever they want anyway, like no matter when they're on. But, yeah, I mean, I do think that it, from what I've been hearing about it, it has the chops to, to sit well on a Sunday night. Um, I feel like it could be like a family show a la, you know, Once Upon a Time or something like that. I think Summer is kind of better for limited series. Like, when Under the Dome originally started, it was supposed to be kind of a limited thing. And then it was successful and they did more of it. But it was kind of like a – summer's kind of more of a showcase time from – from what I gather, like people kind of invest for a little bit, but it might not necessarily be the the place to have a a full ongoing series.
1: Yeah, I would agree that when I think of summer programming, it's usually like a 13 episode run, not like a full season like you would get for something like, you know, The Flash or Arrow, something like that. But I also agree that. The time slot thing is kind of obsolete with DVRs and streaming. I mean, I am—I know I've mentioned my uh, my lack of being able to watch Castle several times on this podcast. Like, I'm <laughs> like—I don't know how many episodes have been building up on my DVR now, but I'm probably not going to get to watch Castle until the summer. So, my summer programming will be to watch Castle. But uh, I think any time during the year on any day would be fine, I think. And I think even the summertime, you see a lot of really strong programming coming up. So I don't think summer is something to scoff at because I yeah. think you 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 do see some things that pop up during the summertime that are really good and really quality. But I I do think that the Sunday 8 p.m. hour would be the best place for it because I, I do think that it will be something of a family show and something families can watch together. And that's typically a Sunday night hour. And I would like to see it there. That would be my preference. Although Thursday would be good too. It's one of those things where like if it was on Sunday, you would have Supergirl on Sunday. You would have Gotham hopefully still on Mondays and <laughs> The Flash yeah. hopefully still on Tuesdays. And we <laughs> so have a Arrow. superhero
0: show every day. Yeah.
1: So if we can just get it to where – there is a superhero show every day of the week that would be fantastic <laughs> so let's aim for that but uh so either a sunday or thursday would make that happen but but I, I i agree like any time would be good i just want to see it in production
0: i know i just yeah i'm i'm you know all the speculating is getting kind of like ah because i just want it to be made already <laughs> um Now, some uh, outlets like Entertainment Weekly are being cautiously optimistic given TV's track record with female-led superheroes, um, or superhero shows, rather. Uh, And Entertainment Weekly wrote, quote, "...could be amazing, could be a train wreck, perhaps even likely a train wreck, but who doesn't want to see even a train wreck involving an invincible flying alien office worker? We're hearing a series order of the comic adaptation starring Melissa Benoist is very likely." Uh, the show's status is technically series commitment already, but that just means CBS would have to pay a penalty if they don't make it. Um, see, I – and and this is something that really irritates me whenever they talk about anything female-led, um, because if it were a, you know, male superhero, whether it's a train wreck or not is kind of irrelevant, mm-hmm. like – people aren't waiting around for it to be perfect. I mean, how I mean, look at the crappy Daredevil movie um, <laughs> before they got it right as a TV show. I mean, look at the crappy like Hulk movies that they've made before, you know, finally hitting on something really great with uh Mark Ruffalo's portrayal of him, you know? Right. It's like uh, <laughs> but nobody people will make like Twenty horrible Spider-Man movies, and not Bat and I. But like, we can't make Wonder Woman until it's perfect. We right. can't make Supergirl until it's perfect. It's like, stop it. If it sucks, you'll make another one. Right, relax. Right. That that is a, that is a good
1: point. And you know, it's one of those things where I kind of don't like that people are going into it thinking that it's probably going to be terrible. It's like, yeah. you don't know. You haven't seen it. You haven't read the script. How do you know? <laughs> like, that's that's one of those things that I have a real problem with is that this could be awesome. It could be yeah. like like The Flash. I don't know. I can't remember what people were thinking last year before The Flash was, you know, before The Flash came out. And mm-hmm. and I remember, I do remember, though, the trailer that came out, I think, after The Upfronts. And I remember going, oh, my gosh, this looks like a movie. This looks amazing. And you could have poo-pooed the Flash before that happened. But when that came out, it was like, yes, I'm all in for this. So I think it's worth waiting to at least see a trailer to see what it looks like, to see how Melissa plays her. Like, I think those kinds of things are, are something that you should pay attention to. But to just go ahead and say, oh, I think it's going to be a train wreck. Like, <laughs> you, you don't know. I mean, that's something to always keep in mind. Like, I'm, I'm always trying to, like, go into things going, I hope this is awesome. And if it's exactly. not oh well but well, I hope deal with it. yeah but
0: I hope this is awesome. And so. even if even if a um a show starts out bad it can still sort of redeem itself. Like I remember when I saw the pilot for Arrow, I was like this show's not going to last. It's stupid. Um and I was so like uh, Irritated that the show made it past the pilot, so I was like, "Oh God, really?" And then, you know, the show got better, and I, you but know, and it? now, but did <laughs> it? No. well? No, I mean, now we can complain because it's it's just it's gotten kind of one note lately. But right, right. I mean, from the that first better. episode, it definitely got better, and mm-hmm. it got more engaging. It got more focused on, you know, it opened up, you know, more to the uh, to the ensemble. It kind of um, it started exploring different things, and I liked that. And uh, But that just goes to show, even if the pilot is something that's not everybody's cup of tea, even if the first couple of episodes aren't great, like, we – I kind of want to get back to the place where we kind of give shows a shot. Yeah. Um, where – not just, the, you know, networks and stuff, but, I mean, audiences. Give shows a chance because, you know – and I know we're all very busy. We all lead very busy lives and have so much TV to watch, but, you know – It's sometimes it takes more than two or three episodes to have a story warm up, and that's just the story. Well, I would say that
1: for Gotham this season, the first like three episodes of that show, I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, I love Batman, like Batman and Lois Lane are like my two favorite characters in comics, period, just hands down. And so, I was gonna watch Gotham regardless if it was terrible or not. And the first couple of episodes, I was like, Okay somebody needs to learn how to write a TV show yes. because oh. this Ugh. pilot is terrible. They're trying to do too much and they need to figure this out. But by yeah. like episode three, I was like, okay, all right. This, this is actually resembling a TV show now. So this yeah. is good. And so then by like episode 11 or 12, 12, whatever that mid season finale or the, what, it, what do they call them now? The winter finales.
0: Yeah. Oh. It
1: was pretty, it was pretty good. And now it's starting to pick up where I'm really excited to see the finale. So there is something to that where the first couple episodes could be really terrible. (laughs) But sometimes if you stick with... And I would say that goes for most TV shows. There are a couple of shows that I can think of just offhand like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or 30 Rock. Mm -hmm. Things like that where they're like good right out of the gate. Yeah. But... Most shows do have to take a little while to find their footing, so I I I would think that Supergirl though has an, the upper hand because the people behind it have done this several times. Uh, Greg Berlanti has started so many shows, <laughs> and ha, and he knows what he's doing. He knows how to make a TV show, so I would think that Supergirl. I'm I don't want to go in with hugely high hopes, but I think it's going to be great just because they know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, um, Entertainment Weekly went on to address the thought that Supergirl might go to the CW, saying... Oh, yeah. This was interesting. (laughs) Saying, quote, "...also the assumption that the show has a safety net at the CW if CBS passes is apparently not true, as Supergirl is said to be too expensive for the CBS's Kids Sister Network." After NBC flopped with Bionic Woman, NBC and the CW failed to adapt Wonder Woman, and ABC struggled to get viewers to watch Agent Carter, could this be a female-fronted superhero that becomes a hit, Qu- unquote. And I think that's really interesting because I think some people probably would want it to be on the CW just because there's a whole bunch of other superhero shows there and because CBS has not proven itself to be a superhero network yet. But... I, I like the idea that CBS has a little more money they can throw Supergirl's way just because there probably is some flying effects and, and things of that nature to take care of. Yeah, definitely. And I thought it was interesting that they mentioned these other, you were talking about the female-led superhero TV shows that kind of didn't work, and I was trying to think of what was it about those things that didn't work. Like, I kind of yeah. remember Bionic Woman being on, but I don't remember watching
0: it. Yeah. I mean, if, that one, I mean, I didn't watch because I was like, do we need another Bionic Woman? Like, oh, right. that one, you know, it's like we we had the Lindsay Wagner version. That was great. It was in the 70s, and that's where it needs to stay. Like, that's kind of why I didn't. I'm like, if you're going to revamp something or reboot something, that wouldn't have been the thing that I would have picked. Um The Wonder Woman pilot, I mean, I never saw it and I see it at uh, cons all the time. Like people have it on like, you know, bootleg copies of it that you could see. Um, I haven't watched it nor do I care to because I've heard it's that bad. As
1: far as as I know about it, and I've seen little clips here and there, like it wasn't Wonder Woman. Like I mm -hmm. think that was the problem with that is that it was something called Wonder Woman, but it wasn't actually. It was somebody's idea of Wonder Woman who had never read a Wonder Woman story before. Yeah. So I, and with Agent Carter, I think it's, it's sad because, you know, it's, it's such a good show, but yeah. for some reason, I mean, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, I can't, I can't think of why people wouldn't be attached to it unless, you know, it's set in the 1940s. So that could be part of it. You know, some people, I love that time period. I love that kind of stuff, but there, that may not be something that
0: most, yeah. most
1: people are wanting to jump into.
0: I was gonna suggest that that might be um, something having to do with it that and also it's funny that this uh, this quote from Entertainment Weekly talks about uh, female fronted superhero shows and it's like Agent Carter's not a superhero. She's a spy. she's a good spy True. but she's a regular woman doing an awesome job at her job. Like that's, right. that's, you know, it's, it's, and I feel like, you know, people see, you know, Marvel, they see DC and they assume superheroes. And it's like a lot of their better stories, you know, have to do with the, the, the regular people. I mean, mm. like you love Lois Lane. She's not a superhero. She's just a woman who's awesome at her job and right. provides a great perspective for Clark, you know, right, right. and for every, you know, everybody else. Um, you know, Agent Carl harder, I I really do wish more people would watch that show. And I do hope it gets a second season. Um, But uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people assume that, you know, oh, hey, she was sort of attached to Captain America, right? And then they watch it. And they're like, why isn't she flying or having super strength or something? (laughs) Right. And it's like, that's not what it's about, (laughs) y'all. So maybe I mean, maybe it's a matter of marketing, too. Like, I feel like Something that I've learned recently, um, and over at the Mary Sue, we've posted a couple of articles about a recent uh, study that was done regarding female directors in Hollywood. And I know this is a tangent, but bear with me. Um, But like we – it was this uh, study done by um, the Sundance Institute and Women in Film, I believe, that talked about the biases in in Hollywood about female directors. Like that the bias is basically that women can't handle directing big projects – Women, um, you know, the, the stories that women want to tell audiences aren't interested in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's why, um, female directors tend to not get the same work as male directors. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I think networks make a lot of assumptions about audiences that aren't true. And I thought it was interesting that this study focused on the executives and the, the industry people, but it didn't focus on audiences, because I, you know, all these, you know, networks and stuff assume what an audience wants, whereas I feel like it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. It's like, I think people are interested in that stuff because that's what you keep giving us. Right. Whereas if you gave us something different or something else, you know, (laughs) in addition to the regular superhero stuff, we might like it. (laughs) But You're kind of, you know, they kind of assume we don't and kind of, uh, they, they, do very skittish things, and they kind of um, make their decisions based in a fear that I think is unwarranted.
1: I would agree with that. Sometimes I get a little frustrated when I keep seeing these, you know, some of these sitcoms that are just kind of so cookie cutter, and I'm like, no, no, I'm past that now. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was great in like the 1980s, but I think we've exactly. progressed as a, you know, a TV genre that we can move past that a little bit. But uh, so yeah, so we all kind of have our different. Likes and dislikes on that kind of thing. And I do sort of take offense to it as a viewer. It's like, no, don't assume things about me. Maybe <laughs> maybe put something out there that's unique and fresh and we'll we'll see if it's good or not. Yeah. Um, but I think with these examples that Entertainment Weekly gave, I think it's really interesting. Like with Bionic Woman, maybe it didn't need to be rebooted. Uh, Wonder Woman was not really a Wonder Woman show. It didn't, didn't have her represented as sh- she should have. And Agent Carter is kind of maybe in the time period most people are not looking for. And I think Supergirl actually can get past those things. Like Supergirl, Mm -hmm. I think, is popular enough that she would thrive on TV. She would thrive with uh, the younger girls. She would thrive with women our age. She would. I've noticed that she thrives with men. Guys Mm -hmm. like Supergirl a lot. So I don't think it's something that people are not like, oh, we don't want to see a Supergirl show. Like I think the – desire to see that on tv is there and as long as they keep supergirl uh relatable and to who she is i think it would be a success it would be able to climb over these uh hardships that these other female-led shows have faced
0: well now that we've talked about uh, as much super uh, Supergirl speculation as we could uh, <laughs> handle this week. Um, let's get into this week's topic, uh, which is an- we're looking at another comic book uh, uh, telling of the Supergirl story. This is the uh, paperback, uh, trade paperback of Supergirl Beyond Good and Evil. And the description from DCComics.com says, quote, Supergirl's life takes a turn for the worse in this Volume collecting Supergirl number 23 to 27 and a story from Action Comics number 850. When Kara is confronted by a ghost from Krypton, what revelations from her past will come to light? Hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's funny because I looked at uh, the the writer of, of a majority of these issues, uh, Kelly Puckett. Um, and at first I thought it might have been a female writer. And I was like, oh, my God, is this like... Written by a woman, and then I looked uh, Kelly Puckett up, and it is indeed a gentleman. Um, And I was like, oh, no. And I just realized we haven't really read any Supergirl – correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've read any Supergirl that's been written by a woman yet, have we? I don't think so. That's a good point. This uh, telling of Supergirl was really interesting and kind of, you know, uh, it seemed removed from, like, the regular – supergirl series like it seemed like a very special series of episodes um where we're kind of getting a different uh um a different take on on supergirl searching for her identity and stuff what did you think about uh kara in this story
1: well i i liked this book for the most part i i liked that it sort of you know it's told something of a cohesive story i I feel like some of the the stories we've read the last couple weeks were kind of disjointed and i couldn't figure out what was going on and and even though there were some parts in this book that i was like what what is happening here like there's some mention of the multiversal stabilizer overcompensated for vibro chronal flux and (laughs) timeline cohesion and lateral timelines i was like what what does that even mean and they already- so the
0: time machine is broken yeah and they need to fix it so she could go home <laughs>
1: so i mean you've got to spell out for me because even and i connected with some of the stuff in here because there were like a couple of panels that said like i have officially i have i officially have no idea what's going on here and then another panel said this is all going to start making sense soon right and i was like Yes, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> so there, there were some things in here that I was like, oh, I'm confused on this. But for the most part, I thought it was a, a a fairly good story where I could follow Supergirl through that. So I really liked that. But what I didn't like was I felt like the story kept treating her like she was a screw up throughout the whole book.
0: Yeah, and
1: I I don't I, I don't I don't think she got a lot of wins, and I really felt bad for her, like because like she. She fails Batman's test that he sets up for her in her apartment, which which right. I kind of loved because Batman is totally skeptical and uh, <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> and so I love that he puts that little test in her apartment to see if she'll open the box or or the package, the gift that, that actually has something, a little piece of paper that says mistake on it. Mistake. And I was like, oh, geez, well, she's screwed up there. And then she goes on this mission for the Green Lanterns, and she screws that up, and then she doesn't do a great job with dealing with this Reactron character. And Reactron even says, you know, I hope they, you know, Superman can't be here, I hope they send Wonder Woman in to handle me because I don't want to deal with Supergirl because she's not that great. And, like, she has a problem saving all the people in the building, but, of course, Superman can. He can take care of that. And then she has this scene where she makes this promise to this uh, this little boy who has stage 4 brain cancer that she seemingly cannot keep, which I hope plays into the whole Reactron thing. But I just, the whole time, I was like, ah... She can't do anything right in this book.
0: Yeah. And I also thought that it was interesting that basically for the for the first couple of issues, uh, actually for, for a lot of it, it seems like she's a secondary character in her own book because we're focusing so much on Superman. Yes. Um, and, you know, so in order to understand Supergirl, we have to examine the timeline of someone close to her. How about Superman? And then they're all, like, sitting there feeling sorry for him. And, like, meanwhile she's talking about how, you know— she thinks he's fine and all, but he keeps telling her what to do. And they're like totally dismissing her and being like, yeah, but he's so alone. And she's like, I'm alone too. (laughs) And nobody seems to care. Um, yeah, no, I, I have to say, you know, and, and you all know that I've kind of been coming to Supergirl for the first time doing this podcast and already in the trades that we've read, um, I'm kind of tired of the whole (laughs) Supergirl doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know how to do anything. She's struggling to find her way. Like, I really just want her to get there. Um, And I know she's young, but, like, they really... It's like every time a new writer takes over, they start at the same place, and there's no progression. And that kind of bothers me. Like, I was kind of hoping we'd move past that from from the other trades that we've read. And we really haven't, and that's a shame. Because, like, you know... Several trades in, we should have a better idea of who she is and what kind of hero she is, not constantly wondering what she'll become.
1: Yeah, you made me think of Jenna Maroney, where she's like, let me get there, <laughs> which she's, <like>, yeah. <laughs> she's trying to, like, tell people, to like, let me figure this out for myself. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would agree, though. I think that they sort of tie this story back into, uh, like, the apocalypse story to where like, she first lands, or not when she first lands, when she's first kind of discovered on Earth, when Batman finds her ship under the water. So I think it's sort of tied into that whole thing where she's still trying to figure things out. But yeah, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I would like to see Supergirl having a story that wasn't about that. And, and I do agree that a lot of this story is about Superman. And while I did enjoy this whole... You know, he feels lonely, like even as a famous superhero, he's lonely, even as Lois's husband, you know, he has this wife, he's still lonely. And even when he's a member of the Justice League, and he's teamed up with these other people who have these powers like him, he's still feeling lonely. Like, I really enjoyed reading that. But at the same time, I'm like, God, this feels more like a Superman story than a Supergirl story.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I thought there was also a missed opportunity with the um, – so for those of you who haven't read it yet, there's a uh, a moment where Supergirl saves a little boy um, and, you know, he's scared and he says, you know, I don't want to die. And she says, you know, you're not going to die, not knowing that this is the boy with stage four brain cancer and he's going to die. Um, but she he kind of takes her at – Uh, At his word, and he's like, You know, I was so I knew you'd save me, Supergirl. I knew you wouldn't let me die, thinking, Oh, he's gonna be cured from his cancer or something. Right. And so her parents, his parents are like rightfully, you know, not rightfully, because they, you know, obviously, how could she know, but um, they're upset that, you know, now they have to deal with their son being overly hopeful about this. Uh Um, But the thing is, like, I think that was a missed opportunity uh, to show how Supergirl really does relate well to children like because she's young that's a whole group of people to whom she can be an example and you know they have the adults being dismissive of her but i thought it was really cool that they had this little boy know exactly who she was yeah they you know like he's like supergirl i know who you are yeah you're here to save me and i'm like what about the other kids in metropolis or you know because it's it's not always adults who need saving and um finding you know the place where where Supergirl can live. I mean, I think it makes sense for for her to be more popular with the kids and for her to kind of make that her priority since she is so young. Um, And so I I think they kind of, like, wasted that moment. Like, what could have been a really cool acknowledgement of, okay, well, Superman might be more popular with adults, but, you know, I'm where the action is, and the action is the kids, you know? Like uh but then they just have her screwing up there too and having her you know the kids parents yell at her and
1: yeah and i i got really frustrated with those those people who are like they they get saved by supergirl and they're like what we don't we don't rate we're not good enough for superman like they were wanting right. superman to come save them I was like Look, you better be grateful somebody came and rescued (laughs) you. Doesn't matter who it is, if it's Plastic Man or Booster Gold or Superman. I don't (laughs) care. It should be somebody and you should be grateful for it. You know? I was really frustrated with those people. And I think that's such a cool point that you make about how it would be cool to see her with the younger people. Because, kid. I mean, just like we saw with uh, her Supergirl's friend Sarah, who had problems and issues that Kara could help her out with and teach her things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could we could see that with other kids, and I I also got a little frustrated with the whole Thomas thing because when they're in the hospital room, and they're having that whole discussion about how she's given Thomas false hope, and Superman's in there and he's like, you know, look, let me handle this. You know, I'll talk to him, and he starts to go into this spiel about you know, Thomas, let's have a talk about how you know superheroes m- might not have powers to do everything blah 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 and like he sort of tries to step in and quote you know i i would i would assume fix it for kara mm-hmm. and i i sort of didn't like that like it's like let supergirl maybe handle this and i'd to that she stepped r- right in front of him when he stepped in front of her and was like no let me handle this and even though she says something like you know You're, you're, you know, I'm still going to save you. I'm not going to let you die. I think when she does that, she has a plan in mind. She has something she feels that she can do to help this kid. So I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get to see that because I sort of think that because of her interaction with Reactron, Mm -hmm. I think she's going to, what, this is what I think is going to happen in the story. Now, I don't know. I could totally be wrong. But it sounds like React- Reactron is connected to the end of the book where, like, something's changed with humans and they're not exactly the same anymore. And some somebody says something like, uh, th- this guy tries to come and assassinate Supergirl and he tells her at the end of the book, he's like, yeah, you know, you can't save that boy or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think something happens where Kara uses Reactron because reactron says something about you know what am i supposed to do to cure cancer so i think she somehow thinks that he can cure cancer and so she uses that to help thomas but then something happens that alters a timeline or something i don't know but yeah. uh but i think that would be really interesting if she tries to To save thomas, but at the same time she might screw up again So that I kind of don't like so I don't know (laughs) where I don't know where I want this to head But I do like the idea that she is determined to do something to
0: help well, and it's funny because I think uh, Let's talk about this the ending of this particular trade because yeah this guy, you know um, this guy in the future is trying to assassinate supergirl and this is at a point where there's a big statue erected to her, right? Um, you know, there's there's little monuments to Superman um and really flashy one a really flashy statue for her, because apparently, you know, Superman was very modest and understated, but she <laughs> wants like this big statue of her. Um, but then, you know, the guy who's trying to assassinate her says, uh, um, you know, she asks, "I made humanity better, and you want to kill me for it?" Why?" And he says, because we're not human anymore. That's what you never understood. Um who asked you to end our world? And so I think it has it might have something to do with um making humanity like her. Um like or or somehow enhancing or or you know making people uh, if not superpowered then like, you know, impervious to disease or impervious to harm or or something. Um, and yeah, possibly using, you know, Reactron, because I feel like that was a, you brought up a good point of that being a clue that was kind of dropped. Um, but yeah, just the idea of, you know, being a human being means, among other things, having mortality. And I'm wondering if if that's something that Kara understands, you know, because you're supposed to kind of understand the people that you're saving. and And that's something that that really, you know, has nothing to do with her age or her whether or not she's ready to do this. I think a lot of superheroes need to be reminded of that constantly. Like, you know, it's great that you can, you know, save all these people or whatever. But remember, the people that you're saving, they, you know, this is what their lives are like. You have to get, kind of know them and know what they want and need and, you know, not just jump in willy-nilly and, and, and try to fix things. Because one day you're going to fix the wrong thing and totally change who they are.
1: Yeah, I think that is so interesting for superheroes because there's a real quandary, I think, for what that would be like. You know, you have all these awesome powers and you have all these abilities to do things. But, like, what what I thought was cool in this book is that they showed Supergirl's problem when she tried to save all those people in the building. And she was like, "Oh, I can't do this. I can't save all of them. This is not something I can physically do even, even though I have all... You know, I can fly and have all this super strength and I'm fast, but there's not there's some things that they can't do. And how do you make that choice? And and what's the ethical thing that comes into play here? If she can save Thomas, that's great. But what if saving Thomas sets them on this whole path that ends up being bad for humanity? So there's yeah. there's there's something really difficult about that, that I don't even know, like, what would I do if I was in that situation? mm.
0: Yeah, no, and, and those are really the the things that um, uh, that should be explored in superhero stories. And I, I kind of, I'm, I'm glad to see them here. And I basically hope that it goes further with Supergirl uh, along those lines and not so much in the, she's a teenager who doesn't know how to be a superhero yet vein, you know? Like, I want to see her struggle with those big, you know, conundrums that, you know, that Superman, that Wonder Woman, that all of these people confront regularly because she's ready for that my god after like what three or four trades that we've read and she's still like having the same problem of i'm a teenager (laughs) yeah Um, i would
1: i would like to see her be challenged and have to make a decision for herself in what to do because i i i did get a little frustrated that it was almost every time she did something in this story superman was there he would show up he showed up in her apartment he showed up uh At the hospital. At the hospital. Well, yeah, Batman too. (laughs) Um, It's like, you know, like people need to stop trying to teach her stuff. Like (laughs) I I think it's good that she has these mentors, but at the same time, I would like to see her have her own story and have her make tough decisions and have to learn to live with that because I think that's what all of them do. I mean, Superman has to make life and death. Choices Every time he goes and saves someone and whether or not he can save them. So I I think that's something that Supergirl would eventually have to be able to do. So I think, I think it's a cool thing for her to be determined to save this little boy because she's made this promise, but then have to deal with the consequences of that.
0: Right. Yeah, I um, I think it's great also that she has all these mentors, but at some point she has to apply what she's learned. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've really seen that yet. We've had a lot of people teaching her stuff. We've never seen her finally be able to just use that knowledge on her own. Um, it's like we need to take the training wheels off Supergirl is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um and I, I did want to talk a little about Reactron, though, because um, okay, so I went to see, um, and I'm going to talk about a Marvel thing for a second. I know, blasphemous, um, but I saw Age of Ultron this weekend. Um, as did I. Awesome. Uh, I enjoyed it. I did not, <laughs> but you that's did okay. Not. That's okay. We we can uh, talk about that off podcast. But, <laughs> yeah. um No, but what I did like, I actually thought that Ultron as a villain was really great because he was so snarky. Um, And I love when villains kind of don't take them – I mean, obviously he he takes himself seriously enough to like do some serious harm to people, but he was also really like, you know, like he'll he'll do something horribly violent to someone and then be like, ooh, sorry, I didn't – I was just trying to explain my plan and ah. Like, and it was kind of hilarious. And I kind of see Reactron in that same school of – Villainy, where he's like, you know, being very kind of casual in his conversation, being very, you know, um, kind of snarky and you know, bantering with Supergirl, basically as they're having this fight. Um, yeah, yeah, he's like, for all the things that you could do when you face me,
1: you're just gonna punch me. That's it. That's all you. That's all you got. <laughs> and, right. And Supergirl even says something about like. I, I feel like there was some consciousness or whatever inside him because he was acting like a jerk. Like yeah. <laughs> there, and he was, to to be honest. He, he he was definitely acting like a jerk. And so I thought that was really interesting that he was baiting her. Like he mm-hmm. was like, All right, what what else you got? You can't you can't defeat me by just punching me. And I think she had a real struggle with figuring out what his deal was.
0: Oh, and, and that actually the uh the fact that you know, he says, is that all you got? And then later on, you know, uh, when he mentions that he wants to get paid, just like everybody else. And she says, wait, so you have all of this ability and you're using it to rob a bank? Like, is that it? Like, his, his, his uh, motivations are so mundane that even Supergirl has to be like, that's, you know, really? <laughs> um, but then, you know, that's when the cancer thing is brought up. Because he's like, what am I supposed to do? Cure cancer? Like... Of course I want to get paid. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, especially since he's pretty much non-corporeal. Like, he's all energy and a consciousness. And, uh, like, what's he going to do with money? Like, I, like yeah. to buy, buy suits? Like, what is he going to do?
1: I don't know. That's a, that's a good point. I, I did think that was a little odd. But it, it is funny that she he kind of questioned her heroics and she questioned his villainy a little bit like yes. really that's all you're going to do you're just going to rob a bank yeah i thought it was it was very interesting because i don't know that she knew how to handle him and he didn't really know how to react with her so i'm i'm curious to see if if we'll see more of him
0: so i guess let's talk a little about like just what we liked the best what we uh what did you you know take from this particular story arc and uh, what didn't you like so much or what would you want to change?
1: I liked some of the Supergirl stuff. I liked the stuff with her with little baby kal I thought that was cute. Even though like she had a, a couple of different reactions to him. Like there's this one nice little panel where she's holding baby kal and she's like, hi Kal, it's okay, Kara's here. And I thought, oh, that's adorable. But then like when she is told that she's going to go to a different planet, she's like, I'm, I'm going to be alone. I'll have nobody and I'm going to have to babysit Cal. Like she got, (laughs) she got really upset about that. So I was like, Oh, you have two different views here. But I guess if you were, if I was being shipped to a different planet, and I had to take care of a baby. I would probably be like, really? Come on. Give me some give me something better to do here, especially if it like wasn't my kid. Um, so I guess I can understand her her frustrations with that. So I did like some of that stuff with little baby kal and I liked the stuff with Thomas. I thought that was interesting and something a little bit different that we haven't seen so far. And there was a couple of little things that weren't even Supergirl related that I liked. Like I liked the uh, Lois Lane stuff where like she shows up and she's like, you dumb palooka. And um, so I thought that was fun. And then there's like some Clark and Lana stuff where they talk about how Clark's been uh, befriending uh, that Luther kid. Uh, So some of that was really cool. Like even the stuff there's, there's one little panel that's like a throwback to the cover of action comics number one. And um, I, I think there's, there's also a panel that I, this is what I assumed that was like supposed to be referencing Kara and that butterfly from the beginning of Super Supergirl the movie.
0: That's how yes. I. That's how I took mm-hmm. it. I, I don't know if that's the way you interpreted it. Um, I did. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's it's that same scene, but she's not wearing the weird sweater.
1: Yeah, the, um, the, the, or the, the hippie she's not attire. wearing the
0: weird hippie attire. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So there were some of those little things that I liked that were incorporated into the art into the story. Um, and I did like the I for a Supergirl story. I did like the Superman stuff because I am a Superman fan. I liked the, the stuff about how Clark didn't really understand, and I think this was some of Supergirl's problem too. She didn't really understand how he could be, how Superman could be lonely. She's like, "Hey, he's this big superhero," and then like, right. he goes home by himself. You know, he's he goes home to an empty apartment by himself. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and. There are some things that I I don't think she really understood about that. And that was something that Clark had to learn, too, because his 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 mom, Martha, her brother dies. And they uh, Jonathan has this really great moment where he says uh, where Clark's like wondering why she's so upset. And Jonathan says, there's the family you're born into, son. And then there's the one you make. Bert was the last of your ma's blood relatives. And that's different. She still got us and still loves us, but she's feeling a little lost right now, and I thought that was really touching because I think that's something that is very human and is very, uh, very much something I think we all kind of deal with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a, it was a nice little moment. There's a little panel where Martha and Clark sort of bond over being the last of uh, of their uh, blood relatives, and uh, so I, I thought that was really nice and touching. And I I, I sort of want. Supergirl to maybe understand that a little more because I think Clark, you see Superman being like coming to the realization that oh, I have family now, and he even has like this. I think Lois says he he's got a big goofy grin on his face, and I I thought that was all really really nice, but I just I wanted more of Supergirl in this story, and yeah, I think we the the most I think we got to really see her on her own. I felt like was at the beginning with the Legion with like yeah. uh uh with with those guys trying to figure out what was going on and showing her Superman stuff. But I, I wanted to see more of that instead of just seeing her uh being looked after by Superman and Batman.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean I, I do think that there were some really nice character moments. Um I kind of liked, you know I mean, as tired as I am of, of Supergirl constantly needing to be taught things, um, I did like the fact that uh, that Batman was so invested in her and in, in teaching her that he would rig up a, <laughs> a, a a thing like that just to teach her a lesson. Um, here, I'm gonna give her a gift wrapped lead lined box <laughs> with a note in it to see what she does. Um, like, I thought stuff like that was interesting. Uh, I did like the cat the baby Calel stuff. Um, I liked her fight with Reactron. Um, I kind of wish that, you know, we didn't have to see Superman at the end of it. Um, but yeah, like what I didn't like was the, yes, uh, Supergirl being kind of sidelined in her own story. Also, there was a lot of uh, just completely from a layout perspective with the artwork, like a lot of the the big um plot points uh, like her needing to uh, track that ship that's untrackable for the Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff. Like I, for the way the panels are laid out, I had no idea what was going on. Um, I was kind of like, wait, so is she tracking the ship? Is she not? Now she's flying into the sun. What's happening? Like, is she going away from the ship toward the ship? Uh, what? Yeah. So the, the, the artwork was a bit confusing in the layout for me. Um, Basically, it's – and I really hate saying this because obviously she's a comics character. um, But with these kind of more modern tellings of Supergirl, I kind of feel like other mediums understand her better. Like I love, you know, the animated Kara. I love uh, Smallville Kara. Um, And that's why I have a lot of hope for the Supergirl TV show because I feel like they, for some reason, get – how to write a young woman as a, you know, fully nuanced character. Whereas in the comics, for some reason, it's like, they have all this potential for a great character, but they keep kind of wasting it. And it's like, they don't really know how to write a teenage girl, or they don't really know how to write a nuanced, like fully formed woman who makes mistakes, but also does things well. It's like either one or the other, either she's perfect and perky or she's a horrible screw up and there's no in between um and I you know I kind of wish that her comic and and who knows maybe it's gotten better obviously this is the 2006 um or 2007 stories that we're reading right now but um it's a shame that other mediums seem to get her a lot more than her own comic does
1: Yeah, I would agree to that to an extent in this story, because I think the only time I felt like she was sort of that that kind of character that we've seen in the animated stuff and on Smallville where she's sort of snarky and kind of, you know, (laughs) giving it back to people is when uh, Superman and Supergirl are like flying away together. And she says something about how she prefers to order pizza instead of having the beef bourguignon. Um, Yeah, (laughs) which I I think if somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure if I remember my Lois Lane history correctly is like one of the only meals that she can cook. Um, But uh, but I think that was the only time that I felt like she was kind of that Kara that I knew that that was sort of a teenager. Like that was the only time I felt like she was a teenager or a young, a, a young woman of that type. In the book, so it it's it's very strange. It's it's a strange thing because you want her to be taken seriously and you want her to have to be a hero and have these tough challenges, but at the same time, it's like in some of that, I don't feel like she retained those characteristics of being a young woman. So I think I think there is something uh, to what you're saying about how
0: it's tough to know how to write that kind of character and. You know, and it's possible because, like I said, we have seen it elsewhere. It just, for some reason, isn't in her comic, which is where it should be in the first place. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps up our conversation about uh, Supergirl Beyond Good and Evil. So we hope you enjoyed that. And uh, if you haven't picked up the trade already, you might as well, you know, give it a read and, you know, let us know what you think of it. Um. And now that we have wrapped that up, uh, as always, we end the show with some listener feedback.
1: We get an email from Ange who said, quote, anyone who tells you that Supergirl is this saccharine sweetie with unbridled optimism is basing that solely on the first year of Silver Age stories. Anyone who reads her further adventures in adventure comics, her solo titles, even the Matrix version will know that, yes, she's optimistic, but also time also at times troubled, at times impetuous, at times immature, and hardly perfect. She is a young hero at the beginning of a journey, end quote. And I think that's a great description, Ange, and I I appreciate... The uh, the history that you've given us, and into where we can find some of those different versions of Supergirl, because I definitely think that there is kind of this idea that she's supposed to be this uh, <laughs> this sweet, optimistic character because she is. She shares a lot of traits with Superman, who is sometimes put up on a pedestal of being that that kind of character. So. I think that's something to keep in mind for me that, you know, like when we, well, I think we both had trouble figuring out which one is the real Supergirl and Supergirl yeah. identity. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's because for me personally, I do sort of have that idea in my brain that, oh, this is what Supergirl is supposed to be. So I think it's something good to keep in mind that she is just this character who sometimes does screw up and does have problems and isn't perfect. So that's a good reminder. So appreciate that feedback, Ange.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, it's not about her being being, like, I don't think either of us wants her to be perfect, um, because nobody is. And, uh, you know, even Superman has his moments. They're few and far between, but he has his moments. And, um, you know, I, I think it's more what Ann says at the end of the email, um, that she's a young hero at the beginning of the journey. And my response to that is, yes. But when is she not going to be at the beginning of her journey? When are we going to get to see her in the middle of her journey? You know what I mean? Like, when are we going to see her, like, kind of having experienced the beginning and learned something? Um, I think that's more what I'm waiting for. Because obviously, you know, people make mistakes. And the big difference between her and Clark is that she watched her world get destroyed and he did not. Um, And that does something to a person. It's hard to be cheery and optimistic when you've watched your planet die. And part of it was your family. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, you lost your parents and 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 your your family, everyone you knew and cared about. Um, and you were saved for this, like, mission of, like, having Krypton live on and taking care of your cousin. And it's like, what? Who cares? Like, my planet's gone. So I understand Supergirl not being optimistic all the time. But what I do want to see, and, and we get glimpses of this, um, I want to see... Why she's a hero. And I think that sometimes gets lost in the, you know, people teaching her stuff and the, I'm brooding because I'm sad. And and yes, that's all valid, but it's almost like that's all we've been seeing lately, especially in these past couple of trades. And I want to see the things that make her heroic. Um, because in order to be a hero, she has to overcome all of that cynicism and that anger and that sadness in order to help others.
1: Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio.
0: And we are available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, uh, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review because that'll help us out a lot.
1: And we are a part of the DCTV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, and The Flash... Uh, subscribe to our DCTV podcast mega feed and follow at DCTV podcast on Twitter and like DCTV podcast on Facebook, and be sure to stay connected there because DCTV Podcast is going to be doing a fundraiser uh, this month to benefit cancer research. So we hope you guys will participate with us.
0: Definitely, that's going to be an exciting, you know, huge event that we hope that you all will uh, keep an eye out for. Um, as for me, you can find me uh, at uh, my blog, the Teresa Giacino Experience, which is teresagiacino.wordpress.com. And I'm on Twitter at Teresa Giacino and Facebook at Teresa Giacino Experience. So, Facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid, that's D E R B Y K I D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod.
0: That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And join us next week when we'll be discussing some more Smallville. Uh, Smallville Season 7, to be precise, with the episodes Lara, Fracture, and Apocalypse. Well,
1: till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Therese Jacino. And as you go through your week, do what you think is right. And say hi to Clark for us, will you i